Sandwiches might be relatively simple, but the sandwich business certainly isn't. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, the executive editor with Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's episode of our podcast, A Deeper Dive, I speak with Hoyt Jones, the president of Jersey Mike's, to talk about how the sandwich business continues to change. Jersey Mike's has quietly been one of the fastest growing restaurant chains in the country, and these days, the influx of delivery, growing labor challenges, and a difficult real estate business, not to mention outside competition, is keeping the company on its toes. Jones talks about these issues and how Jersey Mike's is dealing with them. And later, I debate with Peter Romeo about Dunkin' Donuts and whether the chain really should consider removing the donuts from its name. Stay tuned to see why the chain is considering such a drastic rebranding. Now, here's Hoyt Jones. Okay, I'm here with Hoyt Jones, the president of Jersey Mike's. Hoyt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it. So, I... uh... Uh, the other day, I got uh, uh, some sandwiches from Jersey Mike's and had them delivered to my door, and it worked pretty well. Is this something that you foresee as a bigger chunk of your sales, or where do you think this is going? Well, I think it's a foregone conclusion that uh, third-party uh, delivery services are uh, pretty much here to stay. Um, we have been quietly moving into the into the uh, piece that piece of business, and we currently have upwards of 600 to 700 stores that are actively, you know, using third party. Um, you, you know, are fortunate to have a, a store that's uh, involved in that. Uh, we do think it's going to be a, a, a nice piece of business. We're not completely sure how significant it'll be, but uh, certainly for regular customers that know the brand and know the product, uh, uh, to have an additional uh, way to get uh, the product, you know, served to you when you're time sensitive and you maybe can't get to a store and enjoy the uh, the banter and the uh, the service that we like to give in the stores, that you can get it delivered. It's uh, it's it's great for you know all parties, the restaurant and the uh, and the customer. Anything that you've uh, found out early on in the process? I mean, is it generating a sales lift, uh, anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think initially, you know, we're not seeing a whole lot of cannibalization from the existing traffic uh, that we've got in the stores. Uh, I think in, over time, I think there's undoubtedly going to be some people that, you know, would traditionally have gone to a store that now, you know, maybe get it delivered. Um I think that's going to be natural, but hopefully we're, you know, getting additional frequency uh, with customers getting it. You know, instead of coming in, you know, once a week, maybe we get a, maybe we get a twice a week, or if it's, you know, once or once or twice a month, maybe we get that third additional transaction. So, so we're really hoping that it's going to be a lift uh, for transactions over time. Is this uh, something that you you market at all, or have you been just? This has been pretty quiet from a brand standpoint. Yeah, good question. Uh, we really have been. Uh, it's really happened organically. We've uh, not advertised it at all, um, and you know the stores that are doing it are you know there's there's some significant sales to be had there, um, and uh, you know we're just like I said we've kind of gone into it fairly slowly trying to make sure that it's that we're you know the packaging is correct that uh, that the product being delivered is correct we're listening to social media sites on this and, and trying to get customer feedback store feedback to make sure that we're 
you know, we're executing properly in the store so that the, you know, the when the driver comes in from the third party that the product's, you know, ready and waiting to, to be delivered because they're time sensitive. Um, <clears throat> and uh, just making sure that the product that ends up getting delivered to the to the home is of the quality that you'd get when you're, you know, in the store eating in the product or, or taking it home yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, um now, in, do you see, in, in general, uh, we're seeing a lot of concepts, and it really, it almost doesn't matter sort of what their service style is. There is this pretty rapid move of customers from dine-in to dine-out, pretty pretty major trend. Uh, is this happening at, um, at, at Jersey Mike's, and, and uh, how are you adapting to this? Um well, I think you know we we're going to adapt to the customer. You know whether they you know we've always had a fairly significant uh, uh, takeout business, um, so that's not unusual for our for our you know particular brand. Um, you know it's not unusual for people to come into our store you know on any day of the week at lunch or you know on the weekends and get two or three giants and take them home or take them to the beach or to the soccer fields. Um, so we we travel really well. well. Um, so I, and I think our dine-in our dine-in uh, business I think will continue. We really take a lot of pride in having a great atmosphere and you know having a uh, the atmosphere that when somebody comes into the store that they're greeted and that there, there's a little bit of a connection a relationship between the customer and the and the staff in the stores. So. You know, we're hoping that we don't lose that, um, but I think undoubtedly between the takeout that we normally have and then the third-party delivery, I think it's going to increase. Um, but uh, in the end, you know, we're we're here to to satisfy the customer, and if they choose to be in the store and have a have a great customer experience and dine in, that's great. If they want to take it out, that's great. If they want to get it delivered, we'll probably be nationwide at some point in time with with third-party delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of referred to this, but one of the, I think one of the advantages that you traditionally have is, um, you know, you walk into a Jersey Mike's, uh, the, you're, you're greeted uh, well by the, the person uh, who, who slices the meat yep. um, and takes the order, um, and it's, it's sort of designed to be a, a better customer experience than your traditional um, subchain. Does that? Uh, I mean, any concern that if people are ordering this through one of these aggregators, that they um, you kind of lose that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I do, and I hope uh, you know. I think that the you know the, the employees in the store uh, enjoy that. You know, that's we hire kind of for personality and train the skills. Um, and I think people that come into the store, they like to connect with the customer. Um, you know, hopefully when they're when somebody's ordering online for a third party or they're ordering online and they're just coming in to pick it up, they, they kind of can picture, you know, one or two or three employees at the store that, you know, maybe brings a smile to their face that that they, you know, feel maybe maybe they'll feel a little guilty by not coming in and saying hi to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to Bob or, you know, and saying, uh, you know, you know, it's nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, t- Talk a little bit about the importance of that customer service aspect in 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 your growth over the years. I mean, is that that a pretty important element? Very important. Um, you know, I think uh, that goes all the way back to the original store with Peter. 
that, uh, you know, he would make, you know, he'd have personal, you know, either whether it was eye contact or verbal contact with every customer that came into that store. And it was, you know, he, you know, trained that to the next crew that took over the store when he, you know, opened up his second store and so on and so on. And we trained that um, uh, constantly, you know, through through the you know by through the franchisees, and then through constant training sessions to make sure that you know because it's it, we're a little bit unique in the sense that with the with the assembly line process, the you know there's you know there's interaction with the initial order taker who typically is the slicer or somebody who's on a grill, and then the next person in line the you know putting the lettuce and tomato and onions and <clears throat> you know olive oil and red vinegar on um, all the way down to the wrapper and then the CSR is taking the you know the credit card or the cash uh, there's interaction at every phase of it so if there's you know four or five or six people working in the store that customer is probably interacting with at least four or five different people so it's critical that they all you know <clears throat> connect with the customer as it's going down the line not to be intrusive but um but they're making a, you know, a, they're making a connection with them because we are making their food. They're making, we're making their lunch or their their dinner, and it's, you know, that's the most important thing to them at that point in time. And um, you know, we take great pride in that. So, um, super duper important that uh, uh, that those connections are made. Mm-hmm. And and you you emphasize this in your training, I assume. And and do do they go through a a, a training program on on these sorts of things? Oh, absolutely, and um, you know everybody has their own unique uh, style. We're not trying to change anybody's personality. We want people to be themselves, you know, be their natural self, and how they're talking to the customer, and uh, to make sure that they do that. And we, you know, we do it in the initial training. You know, when somebody is a new employee or we're opening up a new store, <clears throat> and then we're constantly, you know, doing that throughout the year. And I think. You know, this year we're doing something, something like a thousand training sessions around the country, where we're speaking with not just managers and assistant managers, but you know the frontline crew. And uh, you know, because there is, you know, to the customer, you know, there is no difference in the store when they're talking to somebody. They, you know, we represent the Jersey Mike's brand, and so every single person needs to be, you know, uh, needs to excel at that at that skill. Mm-hmm. With right now, I think one of the and I don't really need to tell you this, but one of the biggest challenges that restaurants have is labor. Uh sure. trying to find really good employees um and uh I mean is that uh, given I mean the the importance of customer service and mm-hmm. and 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 those sorts of things is it um is it harder to find uh, find people who are able to Sort of meet your expectations on that front right now, or 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 how? Do, what do you do? It's definitely tighter. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But uh, there's always, you know, for good places to work, for great places to work, uh, that attracts the really good people, the great people, and uh, like attracts like. And uh, you know, once you know, when you have a great foundation with a great franchisee or manager or corporate store manager. Um, and you've got a great environment, uh, people are attracted to that. You know, whether you're a customer and, you, you know, and you're, 
you know, you think about your son or daughter that this would be a great place to work. It would be a great, you know, first job. It would be a great, you know, career. Um, and, you know, we, you know, take great pride that, you know, a lot of the people that work in our stores um, are friends of friends. Uh, they're family members. Um, you go back to the original store, and Peter was hired at the original store because his brother had a job there. And his brother gave him a recommendation to the owner that Peter would work hard, and um, Peter was hired, and, you know, and, you know, <laughs> the rest is history. But, uh, you know, the, the connections there are significant in most stores where there's, you, know, you, you kind of have to know somebody to work in the store. You don't have to, but it sure helps. And then you've got that recommendation from somebody that's working in the store that we, we already a proven commodity, and if they recommend somebody, whether it's a family member or a friend, uh, usually works out. Mm-hmm. Um, is the is the labor uh, labor challenges at this particular point um, making it uh, expansion difficult at all? And I mean, you guys are growing pretty fast. Uh, we haven't run into that yet. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've been fortunate, uh, you know, across the country. Uh, I'm not here. You know, you hear tightening places in certain certain pockets of the country where there's you know, particularly tight labor market, but uh, in general, we've been we've been uh, fairly successful in uh, being able to hire the right amount of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, talk a little bit about um, the sandwich market. This has been in recent years. Um, you know, you know. Well, historically, there's been this 2,000 pound gorilla uh, in Subway. Uh, but in recent years, you've seen Jersey Mike's, Jimmy John's, Firehouse, and, and, and some others that have that have succeeded in taking share in that particular business. What's going on? Um, well, I think there's uh, some regional chains that have developed into national chains, uh, and uh, you know, Subway, you know, I think is, you know, I guess, struggled a little bit recently. Uh, maybe they're doing some right sizing with some of their locations, which may be, you know, smart for their franchisees. Um, that definitely provides some opportunity for us. You know, we we try to, you know, to stick to doing what we're doing, keep our head down, and focus on, you know, our operations and, um, you know, what we think that we do differently than everybody else. You know, the fresh slicing, the fresh grilling, the you know, the banter in the store, the atmosphere in the store. Um, you know, our, you know. You know, significant amount of giving that we're involved in the communities. Um, you know, we were fortunate to take a couple points of share uh, last year in um, in the sub sandwich category. Um, you know, we're very you know we feel good about that. Our, you know, we we've been building stores. We're growing our our average unit volumes. So we're we're hitting on both cylinders there. And um, you know, we just think that we just need to continue to differentiate ourselves in our advertising and and with our execution in the stores. And if we do that, you know, we're we're going to be successful. There's a tremendous amount of business out there, um, and uh, you know, we're just trying to get our get our fair share. How do how do you see the the overall restaurant market right now in 2018? Things going pretty well, or uh, in in. Well, I can only speak for ourselves. I think you know we're we're having a pretty good year this year again. Um, you know we'll have positive comps again this year, you know, significant positive comps, and 
you know, I think overall, you know, it seems like the restaurant category as a whole, when you read all the publications, it's, you know, uh, slightly positive, you know, one month and then maybe slightly negative. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a tremendous amount of movement going either way. It's not significantly down, not significantly up. Um, you know, again, we've been we've been very fortunate as a brand to be have you know consistent positive store growth and uh, and open new stores, you know, significant number of new stores and open up them strong as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you how's the uh, market for expansion right now? I mean, do you have any other any challenges at all in terms of opening new units, or what are what are the biggest obstacles you face at the moment? Uh, you know, just, you know, when we're signing franchisees, you know, we immediately go into, you know, a full pressure mode for, for real estate. We've hired some additional real estate staff this year. Um, we've got a broker network, you know, around the country that is aggressively looking for sites for us. Um, you know, there hasn't, you know, the last couple of years, there hadn't been a lot of new construction. It seems like that's now picking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, new construction, you know, for you know, for for us or for anybody else, then you're thinking about you know, you know, a year from now, a year and a half from now, which we're you know interested in you know getting into the right trade zone, but it doesn't help us opening up a store you know this month. Um, we'll open up 185 to 200 stores this year. Uh, we're hoping for 225 to 250 next year. Um, we're tracking along those lines right now. Um, but I think the only thing that's going to prevent us from opening that is, uh, you know, is just great real estate. You know, we don't want to go into sites that, you know, are substandard. Uh, we don't want it to, to, you know, be satisfied with the site. We want to be excited about it, and uh, we're willing to wait for it, but uh, we don't want to wait that long. <laughs> do, do you see any opportunity at all in terms of uh, one of the things that we've heard? Um, uh, is that the sort of this retail apocalypse that we'd had the last couple of years um, might uh, might be opening up some spaces for for restaurant companies and, and and others willing to expand? Do you see any opportunity there at all? Or yeah, you know, we keep an eye on you know what other you know what other brands, whether they're in you know our category or not in our category, you know. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, GameStop, you know, sites were coming on the market. So we, you know, we're we're cognizant of that. We're, we're cognizant that Starbucks is, you know, moving out of their inline stores and moving towards, uh, you know, uh, drive-throughs. So we've got a connection. You know, we're trying to connect with them. Um, you know, so we try to be opportunistic when we know that something's happening in, in the real estate environment that that might be beneficial for us. We're, you know, we're making phone calls and meeting with people trying to trying to make it work for both parties um, and you know take advantage of that opportunity mm-hmm. all right um, so uh, how do you I mean uh, I think that I think that real estate has been one of the bigger bigger challenges I think in the industry at least in terms it doesn't get quite the publicity say that labor does or food costs before that but but real estate has been one of the um um kind of one of the tougher issues i think in 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 the industry given the amount of expansion that's gone on with with concepts such as yours i mean uh, you know similar fast casual concepts you still seeing heavy competition uh for those type of sites 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we you know we all get disappointed when we see you know one of our you know counterparts <laughs> taking mm-hmm. a site that you know that we were interested in, and undoubtedly you know there's you know it's a, the real estate business is a relationship you know business and. A lot of relationships go back many years, and sometimes you know we just you know uh, somebody had a, a better, maybe a better relationship than we did. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely competitive for sites out there. Uh, you know the the market's getting you know the cost per square foot's going up a little bit. Um, seeing a little bit of inflation there, uh, not tremendous, but a little bit. Um, um, but you know everybody's fighting for the same thing. You know, you know the good right. trade zones. Everybody wants to be in the best trade zones. So mm-hmm. undoubtedly, you know, we're, there's going to be a little, there's going to be competition for those sites. So, so talk about uh, Jersey Mike's philanthropic effort, efforts. You guys do quite a bit on that. That's kind of a major, uh, you know, sort of a major point of pride for you guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's foundational to the to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of our, you know, Peter's, you know, our mantra is, you know, giving, making a difference. Um, and, uh, you know, I think every franchisee, every corporate employee kind of buys into that. Um, you know, it starts, you know, in, with opening a store. Uh, we, you know, partner with a charity and, and raise money for that local charity. Uh, when we open up every store, we're giving away thousands of free subs and, and looking for a donation to the to the charity. Um, happens throughout the year, you know, across the country. There's, you know, thousands of different, you know, opportunities that individual stores are are participating in. Um, the 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 big, you know, culmination of our, you know, as a company wide event is our month of giving, which takes place in March, um, where every market in the country country chooses a, a local charity to to support. And uh, we raise money for that charity throughout the month, and then on the last Wednesday of the month, every store in the in the system gives 100% of their sales on that Wednesday to the charity. And uh, this year, we raised uh, over six million dollars uh, for local charities around the country. And I think this is our seventh or eighth year, and uh, it's you know it's upwards of 20, almost 25 million dollars that has been raised. By the franchisees and the corporate stores uh, around the country, and just keeps getting bigger every year. Um, but it's it's really neat, you know, to to be in a store that's participating in that and to see the excitement with the employees in the store that have connected with the charity. Uh, whether it's a children's hospital, it's you know Wipeout Kids Cancer in Dallas, or it's uh, Make a Wish Foundation that they did here in New Jersey for people that have been recipients of of you know an award from you know say a make a wish that are in the store so that you can actually see the connection between what you're doing and you know the benefit of you know how it affected somebody is um it's pretty cool so you're mm-hmm. you know, you're definitely you know planting seeds in employees about how to you know give back to your communities you know whether they stay in Jersey Mike's or they don't stay in Jersey Mike's to be active supporters you know, of, of charities and, and community organizations. Mm-hmm. Is that a pretty uh, – do you think that gives you a halo with customers and, and sort of has helped fuel your growth? Uh, you know, I think so. I, I, I think it's hard not to. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if we could quantify it. Um, you know, I think we're doing it because, 
you know, we've always done it. Peter's always done it. You know, I think when he went into business in 1975, when people came to him and said, can you give to this, can you give to that, he didn't even think about it, and he, and he did it. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of things that, you know, he continues to do that people don't even know about. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's probably a tremendous amount of things that our franchisees are doing in the or throughout the United States that that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the the basis of giving, you know. And sometimes people know what you're doing and you know, we do the month of giving that's, you know, widely publicized because we want people to come in and support the charity. But there's countless things that happen behind the scenes that, you know, no one's looking for any, you know, accolades on mm-hmm. it. It's just the way to be, way to do business. Right. Sweet. Uh, sir, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast this week. I appreciate it, Jonathan. Thanks for the time and wish you well. Thank you. And now I debate with Peter Romeo, the editor-at-large with Restaurant Business, about the idea of a name change at Dunkin' Donuts. The coffee and donut giant is expanding a test of a rebranding that would simply call the concept Dunkin'. The move has been greeted with some, well, skepticism in its core markets, but it might not be such a bad idea. Okay, I'm here with Peter Romeo. Peter, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, uh, great to be with you. So, um, flat-out question, should Dunkin' Donuts drop the donuts from the name? Well, this is a really interesting question, and I have to say that I'm not sure that this is the uh, the brightest move I've ever seen, to put it candidly. You know, you've got basically two situations. Either Duncan is doing this in a core market, which is where it, it first tried this idea, uh, a, a few miles from where the original Dunkin' Donuts was, in a market where people know it as Dunkin' Donuts and love it as Dunkin' Donuts. And all of a sudden, you're lopping off that half of that familiar name I, I know what they're trying to do, but I don't really see that sort of resonating well with their customer base there. And then on the other sp- side of the spectrum, you have them doing this in new markets. And the second unit where they dropped the Dunkin with the, the donut's name was in California, where Dunkin is not the institution that it is uh, on the East Coast. And all of a sudden, there's confusion about what this thing is. What's Dunkin? What does that even mean? Um, oh, I see they've got a lot of donuts, um, but how does that fit in with Dunkin'? So I, I guess it's sort of a puzzling thing. I, I understand what they're trying to do to get away from the notion that they are just a donut concept and to uh, pursue this strategy of kind of being a poor man Starbucks. Uh, I, I understand that, but it, it just kind of doesn't feel right. And of course, this isn't the first time that they've tried to do that. Um, Here in Chicago, there's still a Dunkin' Express unit down the road here um, Mm -hmm. where they try to stress the speed aspect. And uh, I don't think there are many of those stores left. So it kind of suggests that, you know, you're given a name, you, you spend a lot of time building it. Is it really that wise to get away from it? Yeah. So my, the, the issue, though, here to me is is Duncan has long been is long past its 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 uh, its time as a donut concept. It sells more uh, more than half of its revenue comes from drinks. 
I'm not sure what the exact percentage of its revenue comes from donuts, but it, it's really not. Um, you know, it's it's not so consequential to me that the name that donuts needs to be in the name. And um, so I live in Minneapolis uh, or a suburb of Minneapolis, and and people around here don't really think of Dunkin' as a coffee concept. I've I've routinely had to, uh, as Dunkin' has tried to expand in this particular area, I've routinely had to tell people that, well, no, it's it's more of a coffee chain than it is a, a donut concept. And, I, you know, people just, you know, as, as Krispy Kreme has found out for years, people only go out for donuts so, so often but they'll go out every day for a cup of coffee. And the more that people associate Dunkin' with, with coffee, now I'm not saying they should be calling themselves Dunkin' Coffee by any stretch of the imagination, but the more that they can get distance themselves from that um, from that reputation as just a donut purveyor, the easier it'll be to expand outside of that core market where everybody knows they sell a lot of coffee and they've had years to, to adjust to this. Whereas, you know, in Minneapolis or California, it's, it's still primarily viewed as, as sort of a, as sort of a donut provider. And so they don't really go out as often. Uh, I would agree with you if it were uh, coffee and donuts and they dropped the donuts and what was left was an easy um, mm-hmm. uh, sort of an uh, immediate identifier but what they're left with is Duncan. And so what does that mean? Uh, to me, it almost implies donuts. It certainly doesn't imply uh, uh, cold espresso-based drinks. So uh, it, it's more a matter of, well, okay, they've gotten rid of that donut uh, and all the, the weight and baggage that goes with that. But what they're left with doesn't sort of fit the, the mission either. So uh, I, I wish I had a simpler solution or uh, a different approach for them. I often wondered why they didn't sort of buy one of those small chains, those small drink chains like mm-hmm. Swig or uh, uh, things along those lines just for the name. Uh, but, you know, I think that at least in my neck of the woods, it's uh, here on the East Coast, it, it's really a matter of um, people are just, it's just going to be understood about the donuts. And I'm not sure it's going to shake that image that much to just drop that word. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that's, that's a good, you know, I mean, that's a really good point. It's, it, there's nothing really that Duncan, um, uh, it really stands for. It's not really a, an easy, you know, if you're, you're dropping the dunk, the donuts from the name, it's not really an easy, easy brand, um, after that. Um, and then you're sort of got DD. Well, then what does a D stand for? And um, and that sort of thing. But they must have had some sort of um, uh, they must have had some sort of marketing test uh, to to get them to this point where they're expanding their test of this uh, Duncan without the donuts. Well, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, they, uh, even if that uh, research was nothing more than looking at the results from the first uh, store that they uh, rechristened, 
the one up in the Boston area, um, uh, a few miles from the original Dunkin', um, by all accounts, uh, by the company's account and the franchisee's accounts, that store is going gangbusters. Mm -hmm. now, I don't know how much of that had to do with the name, if anything. At best, it's not a spoiler. It's not a, a reason for a veto. Uh, the real attractions there are the fact that, indeed, uh, the emphasis is on beverages. The emphasis is on um, uh, convenience. They've done a lot of things there to uh, uh, get customers in and out quickly, which, of course, facilitates uh, coffee sales, uh, particularly in the morning. Uh, so it, it's almost as if the name was not an anchor it was uh, something that uh, uh, did not uh, positively affect them, but certainly didn't hold them back. Um, but uh, the other thing is the franchisee community uh, is such that uh, they are uh, they would never tolerate something that that did hurt sales or hurt the brand, and and certainly they are going along with it, given the Duncan's plans to uh, to do fifty of them, fifty mm -hmm. stores without the donuts name. Yeah. Do you get the sense that that this is sort of a indication that their West Coast expansion really isn't going as well as they had they had hoped uh, when when they started that? Because I, I don't see any other reason why you would be considering this sort of thing if you weren't really as concerned about about this fact um, about the, you know about you know their reputation as as being a donut chain. Well, I, I do think the West Coast expansion figures into it. Um, uh, donuts on the West Coast, I have found, uh, are sort of like uh, brats in your neck of the woods or pizza in many areas. People have uh, are very passionate uh, and have very strong loyalties to one purveyor or another, and it's hard to sway them. And the West Coast abounds in donut shops, um, uh, and they have some interesting twists. Uh, Korean donut shops are, are quite popular. And so here you have a new donut player coming in. Uh, people might turn up their noses a little at the notion of, well, why should I go to that instead of my core brand? Uh, so I do think that that, that comes into play um, uh, and that they're just trying to uh, avoid that pigeonholing um, and, and perhaps for that reason, uh, it, it is smart. Uh, it's just what else? What other clues are there as to what it does do? Uh, so that that's more the issue for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, the West the West Coast really does have a lot of donut concepts. That's that's a very very competitive market for a product that again, people really just don't get that often. And um, it's kind of hard to break into into the California donut market. Yeah, the other thing that comes into play is uh, we've been at this uh, a while. So we, I, I know I remember quite vividly their first attempt to uh, crack the California market. Uh, you might remember that they bought Togo's, uh, the sandwich mm -hmm. shop that had a cult following uh, way back when. And that was to really, in part, give them a toehold on the West Coast, as well as to give their franchisees in the eastern part of the United States another concept that they could operate, that they could franchise. But the notion was, you know, to, to uh, sort of use that as a Trojan horse to get Dunkin' Donuts on the West Coast. And of course, that was that did not work at all. Uh, uh, they came up with uh, something that was neither fish nor fowl, 
And people said, "Why are you? What are you doing to my my togos with these damn donuts in here?" Um, uh, and on the West Coast, people said, "What the hell's a togo?" Um, so it it didn't work. So I think that this time around, there's uh, sort of that uh, collective memory, and the, the notion is, well, let's let's load things in our favor as much as possible. Right. How do you think uh, Dave Hoffman is going to do at, at Duncan? What do you what do you think of that? Uh, well, actually, I, I picked Dave as one of my um, uh, emerging stars, um, ones to watch, because uh, uh, I think that he has made some uh, incredible strides there with the blessing of his predecessor and mentor, uh, 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 Nigel Travis. Um, uh, he um, really has hit on a good market position for them. Their stress on uh, convenience and on beverages uh, for the average man who doesn't want to spend uh, $7 for a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. um, is really right on. The other thing is I give those guys credit for some of the uh, operational um, innovations that they've incorporated in their, their store of the future, particularly that draft line that they have when you walk in. Mm-hmm. So you walk in and you can get uh, any one of, I believe it's eight uh, cold coffees drawn just the way you draw a beer. Uh, so you you can do it very quickly. And uh, there's a little bit of showmanship to it. It's something different. It's uh, distinguishing from what everyone else is doing out there and uh, just moves the customer through that much more quickly. Um, I also give them, uh, give uh, Hoffman credit for um, understanding that C stores are a real competitor for that morning market uh, and adding little touches of C stores to that store so that you can have you can grab something quickly to go you can grab a packaged beverage you can bu- uh, grab a piece of fruit uh, so they are they are reading the market and uh, they have identified where they want to be. And have, uh, I think, been clever about uh, how they occupy that niche. Um, How they tell the world about it, that is going to be their challenge, Mm -hmm. especially when, for a good part of the country, you have uh, generations that have grown up with the brand uh, to explain to younger generations, this is not your, your father's. Dunkin' Donuts. That's really their challenge. And of course, you know, Dave has a good background in in marketing, and they've got some uh, other uh, McDonald's alumni up there um, working on their marketing. So, uh, so that's really going to be the the litmus test, especially as they roll out into more uh, markets that are unfamiliar with Dunkin'. Yeah, one of the biggest concerns that I always have with Dunkin' um, for some time was this idea that. They're losing business to to a convenience store. I always have, um, you know, I mean, I they've had pricing concerns, especially in some of their bigger markets uh, like Boston, um, and they've lost some business over the years. Uh, you know, they've they've always had they've always lost some business to 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 convenience stores, which which always sort of bothers me a little bit because you know, coffee is supposed to be really sort of habitual oh there's a lot of loyalty there um and uh you, you know if they're getting priced out to that extent um you know how much loyalty is there is there in duncan so that's always been sort of a concern of me of, of mine is that is that c-store aspect 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's really fascinating to watch. Um, in Duncan's home market of Boston, um, that is a city of tradition. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly Duncan is part of that tradition. If you ask someone for directions, they will say, go down three blocks till you hit a Duncan, make a left till you get to the next Duncan, then make a right. Um, they, are, they are a fabric of that society. But similarly, um, so are coffee habits. And mm -hmm. I would bet, I've never seen research, but I would bet if you researched, if you surveyed the residents of Boston, you would find people divided into three camps, Duncan, Cumberland Farms, a C-store chain, and probably star Starbucks. You know, in some respects, that's saying, well, you know, we're not so super special that uh, you're going to encounter something that you can't pronounce or that you could only find in places that are going to charge you six or seven bucks. And so it kind of almost invites comparison with a sea star coffee. So um, uh, it, no doubt about it, it is, it is a bit of a challenge. And you might remember a few years back, um, one of Duncan's big initiatives was to put in those express units in gas stations, mm -hmm. indeed, to try to fend off that, um, that convenience customer who was buying some donuts and coffee while gassing up their cars. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, Peter, thank you very much for uh, joining me here um, today to talk about uh, Duncan. Uh, my pleasure, Jonathan. And next time uh, uh, I come out to your neck of the woods, I'll bring a dozen Dunkin' Donuts and we can debate this name change. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks. A Deeper Dive was edited by Kimberly Colley. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. Contributors to this podcast include Peter Romeo, Sarah Rushworth, Heather Lally, and Pat Kobe. You can find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. And you can find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer. Thank you for listening.